And because we have these ideas of what our sleep is, but a really important part of, of overcoming insomnia is getting clear on what's actually happening because it's common that we have an idea of what's happening that's not quite matching what's happening in reality. And sometimes our, our perception of what's happening is actually causing us some extra stress. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Empower with M. I am your host, Emily Jane Saroff but you can call me M. I hope you're ready to expand your mindset, raise your vibrations, break through limiting beliefs, and to seriously start owning your power. But before we dive into today's episode, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on any of my episodes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I sure am ready. So let's get empowered. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Now, I'm super excited because uh, I think that this episode is going to be something that you guys are just going to eat up because I was just saying to the guests before we clicked record that I have so many people coming to me about this topic saying, Emily, I struggle with sleep. Help me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you because I struggle with it too. So what I have (laughs) done is I've actually brought a sleep science coach onto the podcast today to have a chat with us about how we can all start getting our shit together when it comes to sleep. Because quite frankly, we need to sleep in order to succeed at these massive goals that we're all working towards in life. So I'm so excited to welcome Lauren DeFell, a sleep science coach onto the podcast. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much, Emily Jane. I love the intro. I'm the so enthusiasm ex- around sleep and about getting your shit together for your sleep. <laughs> Honestly, like it is. And I say get my shit together because it is getting my shit together, right? And everyone who's listening, I just know that so many of us struggle when it comes to sleep, you know, if whether it be because we're all hyperactive during the days, not winding down, not switching off, stressing about things still, like whatever it may be, we all struggle with it in this day and age. So I'm excited to learn more about sleep and how we can really start improving it ourselves. So before we do dive into that though, Lauren, I would love it if you could give a bit of an introduction into yourself, tell us a little bit about what it means to be a sleep science coach and the sort of work that you do with people. Yeah, of course. So I came into this work accidentally, I would say. (laughs) And it's because I had my own five years with insomnia in my 20s. And part of coming out of that, it was obviously quite a process, as I said, it took me five years. (laughs) But part of that was, for me, was that my job was really wreaking havoc on my health. So I left my job um, and I went back to school for nutrition. And then when I was working as a nutritionist in a clinic, people would ask a lot of questions about sleep. Like, when should I eat dinner to have a better sleep tonight? Should I have coffee? If I do, what time should I have it before? What supplements can I take for sleep? And we got a lot, a lot of questions about supplements because it's kind of an easy fix. It's the kind of thing that we're like, oh, I don't have to adjust any other part of my life. I can just take something. And I was managing the supplement store at the clinic as well. So I heard a lot of those questions. And those kinds of questions would always turn into conversations because I know, and I had experienced personally that you can take like a fistful of supplements at night and it's not the answer (laughs) 
to your sleeping problems. Sometimes they can help, but for me, it's it's still a band-aid solution. It's not uncovering the real reason why you're struggling to sleep at night. So from there, I ended up doing some more education in the realm of sleep. I took a course on behavioral sleep science and and then a coaching course and a coach sleep coaching course specifically. That was the, the sleep science coaching certification. And so after that, I transitioned. Well, this kind of came over a few years, so kind of lumping a lot of stuff together. But uh, I transitioned from nutrition into just sleep. And for a while, I was doing a little bit of both. And nutrition is still always a part of sleep. So I still have that. But I enjoy working just in sleep a lot more because it means more to me personally. And I feel like so many people need help with this. And many of us don't know where to find good resources or where to find someone to help. Um, that was part of my journey as well. Like I'd been to my doctor and my naturopathic doctor and I was seeing this Chinese medicine therapist who was giving me these herbs and making me soak my feet before I went to bed and trying yoga for sleep and supplements and doing all these wacky things. And yeah, when, when I finally came through it, I thought, oh my God, why could I not have found somebody who could have helped me do this a lot faster? <laughs> so uh, a couple of years later, when that became my career, uh, that's what, what my goal was to create a program that would give someone everything that they needed. Look at sleep from all aspects of your life. So you're not missing anything. And you know now how to give yourself better sleep for the rest of your life and take the mystery out of it. So yeah, I love what I've been that. doing. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think it's really great how you've already touched on, you know, that it is a common pattern that people want to resort to those quick fixes. They want to go get some, you know, tablets or some powder or whatever it is that they can consume to help them with their sleep. And then the same things on the opposite side of the scale, right? When they want to wake themselves up in the morning, they want to shove coffee in them or whatever else they can. When <laughs> you know, there's other ways to go around it. If you're wanting long lasting change, it's more than about taking some supplements. It's about having a look at your whole routine and your whole lifestyle, I guess, and making sure that you can make the adjustments to be able to get to that ideal place with your sleep pattern and all of that. But that's the hard part, like you were saying, right, is figuring out what adjustments you do actually need to make. And I mean, when you said about all these like wacky approaches to improving your sleep the first thing that popped into my mind was is I don't want to add on these extra like responsibilities to have to do before I go to sleep like I'm already struggling for time in the day like why would I want to add on like foot baths and this and that right so I'm really excited to talk more about it all with you in this episode about how we can start incorporating changes into our routines but before we even get to that before we even get to that can you sort of give us insights into why it is that we actually do experience poor sleep or feel overtired or like we're not getting enough rest? Like what are the causes of this feeling that we're ultimately like finding ourselves in? Yeah, if we look back through history um, or even if we just look at our lives right now, we can look at insomnia a little bit differently and see that it's actually a survival mechanism. So imagine if we had this huge sleep drive that was so strong that we couldn't override it. So at 10 o'clock, I just 
fell flat asleep, regardless of what was happening around me. You can see how I probably wouldn't live <laughs> very long. There would probably be a situation where I'm driving or you're in the middle of a fight or I don't know. It, throughout history, there would have been a lot of dangerous situations. Of course, when we, especially when we lived more primitively than we do now, where you would need absolutely to override that sleep drive. You would need to override it in order to make sure that you were safe and your family was safe and your food was stored properly and that the fire was put out and any anything that could go wrong at night, you need to take care of it before. So this is where we have the innate ability to override our sleep and, and we need this for our survival. But we also accidentally take advantage of this. You know, we, we do it, you know, to watch another Netflix show <laughs> or to get a, a few more emails in rather than going to sleep at our natural time. So essentially, stress overrides the natural sleep mechanism. And if you're prone to more worrying or you're prone to more of a stress response in your body, like a higher resting heart rate, a more a, a nervous system that's more on edge, then you're more likely to be sensitive to stress affecting your sleep. And there's a longer explanation that, that can be given to that. Uh, but essentially, there is the, the predisposing factors, like I said, having a, a higher resting heart rate being someone who worries more. And then there is something that starts sleeping issues. And that's normally some kind of a stressor. So honestly, it could be any kind of stressor. It could be something emotional, a mental stressor. It could be that you broke your foot and the pain is keeping you awake at night, or that you took on a big project at work. And, and the stress of that is, is keeping you working late and throwing off your your rhythm or you take a trip um, from where you are to where I am <laughs> go from North America to Australia and then you have a complete shift in your circadian rhythm which is also a type of stressor right so anything like that that throws off sleep can give us temporary uh, temporary sleeping problems but when it turns into a long-term thing this is because because of the short-term sleeping problem, we have now developed different thought patterns, a different mindset around sleep, maybe a different set of beliefs, and maybe a different set of habits around our sleep and our self-care. We do this accidentally, and this keeps the sleep problem going longer than the actual stressor. So for example, if you go through a breakup and the stress of that might, might affect your sleep, but as the stress of that goes away, the sleep would get better as well, unless there's been those, those other factors that I just mentioned that keep the sleep issues going longer than the stressor itself. So mm -hmm. what I aim to do with coaching is to identify what parts of the habits and the mindset are, are keeping the cycle of insomnia going. And how can we shift that in the opposite direction so that we, we catch it, stop that those is, tracks? 
That is so interesting. And there's a couple of things that I want to bounce back to you off that. But before I dive into yeah. all of that, like you mentioned natural time. So like what in your terms would you consider like a natural sleep time? That actually depends on the person. So we have genetically, each of us has a chronotype and chronotype just means the time of day that's more natural for your sleep. And I think most of us have heard of the terms like early bird and night owl. And, and these are actually referring to chronotypes and the chronotype that's in the middle. That's, you know, people who are not early birds or night owls that those people are called third birds. So they're somewhere in the middle. And, and this is just the propensity for you to get the best quality sleep at a certain time. And then but the interesting part of chronotypes is seeing how our society is really set up for third birds. And it makes things a little bit difficult for early birds and especially for night owls, because night owls will constantly have to get up earlier than what is natural for them. And that can make it harder for them to function well during their workday because their peak in their performance will come later in the day than other people. Mm -hmm. Whereas Early birds, they're actually set up pretty well for the workday because they've already been up for a few hours. They've done their workout. They've made a super healthy breakfast. They've cleaned the house. Like <laughs> they're completely awake by the time they start their workday. But doing things in the evening will be harder for them, like meeting people for dinner or going to a concert or, yeah, events in the evening can be a little bit harder for the early birds. So, Mm. yeah we can adjust our lifestyle to what works best for us where we can yeah so that's something we're going to loop back to later on I think is uh really figuring out how we can work around our own chronotype and um adjust yeah. our sleep patterns to be able to still work in with you know the societal flow of like nine to five jobs and all of that when you know you're if, if that's the sort of industry you're in and you don't have that flexibility to control your entire day. So we'll come back to that later in this episode when we're talking about solutions to start really helping our sort of sleep cycles and routines. But what I wanted to ask you also off what you were talking about then was obviously, you know, when you're talking about what overrides sleep and the biggest cause really being that stress that we're putting on ourselves. And Obviously, there's stresses that you can experience on a conscious level, but then there's also stresses that you can experience on a subconscious level. And it was when you were saying about we sort of develop habits around the stresses we experience, whether it be a breakup or whether it be some other traumatic event we've been through, then that's ultimately what ends up causing that override to become more long-term. So what I'm curious to know then is, you know, if we are carrying some sort of subconscious stress, such as some sort of past trauma or PTSD that we haven't actually resolved and worked through, what impact can that be having on your sleep? And what else would you want to share around that sort of area? Resolving stressors, um, part of that we can work on during the day. And we also work on this at night while we're sleeping, in fact. So a part of our sleep, which is called REM, the rapid eye movement portion of sleep, is where we're really digging into our emotions and anything that's unresolved, anything, any memory that has emotion attached to it, the mind will see it as something that still needs to be resolved. So you'll 
you'll kind of be doing a self-therapy on this in your dreams. And so for that part of it, overcoming stressors needs sleep, actually. But sometimes stress makes it hard to sleep. So <laughs> and in that case, you want to make sure that you're taking care of it during the day as well, especially if you're waking up from a stressor. Because normally when we're in this portion of our sleep where we're working on our stressors, our body is going over things associated with that situation or our mind is going over things associated with that situation, but, but it's not creating the stress chemicals that it would as if we were awake. But sometimes the stressor is big enough that the body can't separate that the chemicals, the, the stress chemicals from the memory. And it actually wakes us up. So if you know that you've been waking up from a specific stressor, then you want to pay specific attention to working on that more while you're awake. And maybe that means working with a coach. Maybe that means seeing a therapist about that stressor. But anything, something that you can always do on your own is journal about it. And you can get really good journaling prompts, even just from a quick online to journal through stressors. Or if you're working with a coach, coaches are really, really good at giving journaling prompts for stressors. And just making sure that you're getting it all down and seeing if there's any part of the stressor that can be taken care of, either taken care of by resolving it in the mind, like Feel, sometimes just writing things out and clarifying it actually helps you feel better about it. And then other times there's things that we can do about in a practical sense. Like if you're really stressed about your business, you can write everything down and make yourself a plan that feels less overwhelming. And okay, today I'm just going to do these two or one, this one really important thing or two really important things. And the rest of it, I'm still going to write down and get out of my mind, but I'm going to do that the next day. Or you can plan out your week so that you have one important thing to do each day. And that can help remove the stress of the whole pile of things that you need to do. So working on it during the day can help us have a more peaceful sleep about it at night. Wow. I find this topic so interesting. And like, you know, what you say there, it speaks so much truth that you know, these things that these stresses that are coming up for you in your dreams and interrupting, or whether it be like a visual experience in your dream, or whether it just be a matter of interrupting and breaking your sleep. Like, yeah, these are things that should be getting handled on the conscious level. Also, I think it's really interesting that you say that, you know, you need to work through these subconsciously as well when you are in that dream state. So what do you mean by this as well? Like, can you elaborate a little bit further about how you know, when you say some of these stresses need to be worked through during your sleep, what do you mean by that? So the portion of sleep that I mentioned REM, well, there's essentially two categories of sleep. There's REM sleep and non-REM sleep. <laughs> so very creative with the, the scientific names. And in non-REM sleep, we have a few different types, but to make it really simple, we can say we have deep sleep and light sleep in that category. And at the beginning of the night, when we first fall asleep is where we get most of our deep sleep. Sleep comes in cycles of about 90 minutes. But in the beginning of the night, the that 90 minute sleep cycle will contain mostly deep sleep and a little bit of light sleep on either end and a little bit of REM on, on the last tail of it. And as we go through the night, the, the cycles contain less deep sleep to the point where 
at the end of the night, they don't normally contain any deep sleep. And they're made up of mostly light sleep and REM, or they are just made up of those two. And so in order to give ourselves that time that we need in REM, we want to make sure that we're not cutting our sleep short. And sometimes in business, when we have these huge goals and we're going through a push or we tell ourselves, oh, this is the time of my life that I need to be really productive. And what do we do to be more productive as we cut our sleep short? But what you're doing when you're cutting an hour or two off the end of your sleep is you're depriving yourself of a good chunk of your REM sleep. And that REM is, like I said, it's a, it's a, you can see it as a self-therapy. And we know when we don't get very much sleep that we feel other than tired, you might feel less patient, you might feel a little more on edge, you might feel a little bit more emotional, you might be quicker to be in an argument, uh, you might feel more anxious. And so that part of sleep is really, really important for being the best version of ourselves. So REM sleep is very, very important from the sounds of it. And when you said, you know, as entrepreneurs and business owners, we can cut our sleep a bit short. I was like, "Mm, Emily, are you getting enough sleep at the moment? But um, in saying that then, you know, how much time do we really need to be keeping clear, right, to be able to get that full sleep in, making sure that we're not cutting our REM sleep short? Yeah, that'll depend on the person. So between six and nine hours is the variation that we have in healthy adults. If you're regularly sleeping less than six or more than nine, there's probably something else going on that you can uh, get testing for, go see your doctor and see if there's anything else contributing. And when like... We all have, one thing is like most of us haven't studied sleep, but we've all slept every night, probably every night our whole lives. So you kind of know that, okay, yeah, I feel my best when I get around eight or seven and a half hours or other people are good with six, other people more than eight. And if if you're not sure, you could track it, like you could write down how much sleep that you're getting when you're going to bed, when you're waking up, if you woke up in the night, how long were you awake for? And you could write this down over a few weeks and then you'll see what your average is, especially if you're the kind of person who is waking up earlier than your normal during the week. So you're sleeping shorter during the week and then you're sleeping in a lot on the weekends. It's good to see what your average would be because sometimes, you know, the weekend sleep in is kind of a catch up. So it's not a real representation of how much sleep you would get every night if you didn't have to wake up (laughs) for your job. Mm. (laughs) It would be somewhere in between. That's so interesting. I've never thought to do it that way. And you're right. It is very much a catch up on the weekends. I have my weekends very much as like a wake up when my body wants to, (laughs) you know, no alarm, give myself an opportunity to just get that sleep. And um, I'm going to start doing that, tracking sort of the numbers that I'm doing across the week and then on the weekend as well and finding that average because I've never looked at it from that perspective. (laughs) So when you sleep in on the weekends, do you typically sleep a lot longer than during the week? Like, it's interesting because not necessarily during, well, during the week, my wake up time is on average, like 5am. Whereas on the weekends, I'll still wake up like 
when the sun's coming up. So like 6am, I'm only really getting about an extra hour sleep, but then I just stay in bed for, you know, those two hours longer. (laughs) Just to um, enjoy it. (laughs) Just to enjoy it. But yeah, there's not actually much of a difference in terms of, uh, I guess when I'm waking up, but then again, I also haven't paid attention to what time I'm going to bed on a Friday night either. So I could be going to bed a little bit earlier than usual, but my guess is it's still later. So (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to pay attention to something if you haven't focused on it before. And because we have these ideas of what our sleep is, but a really important part of of overcoming insomnia is getting clear on what's actually happening because it's common that we have an idea of what's happening that's not quite matching what's happening in reality. And sometimes our our perception of what's happening is actually causing us some extra stress. So getting clear on what's really happening can help with that a lot. Yeah. Like that's such a interesting topic in itself, right? Like obviously as mindset, as a mindset coach, like I understand that we get to sort of decide what perspective it is that we're viewing everything that's happening around us. And sometimes we might not be aware that there's something that is causing us to misinterpret how we're perceiving things, like whatever past trauma it might be or past experience it might be. So it's really interesting that you bring that one up also. But I want to come back quickly to the topic of working through those stresses, but now again, looking at it from um, working through them like in your conscious mind during the day. So you mentioned that a really great way to start doing this is journaling and unpacking those things that are in the back of your mind that are surfacing during your sleep. And you said journaling is obviously a great way to do this. What would some, you know, go-to prompts be that you would love to share with our listeners so then they can just take those first steps to really start implementing their own journaling ritual? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot that you could do here. If, if someone's experiencing difficulty with sleep, then it's good to first identify negative sleep thoughts or any stressful thoughts or negative thoughts around sleep. And we want to do that identifying in order to start challenging those thoughts and seeing, okay, is this thought realistic or this reaction? Sometimes it can be a thought, but also sometimes maybe it's a reaction in the body. Like, you see the clock and you realize that it's almost time for bed. And there's almost like a a little shock stress response in the body that may or may not have thoughts that come along with it. So journaling your reactions, anything negative or stressful around sleep, and then journaling where that, um, well, one, you could journal where that came from. That's always good. And if that's, true if that's true right now if that's true always because it probably was true from one experience but it's probably not true in every experience and the tricky thing about sleep and the mind is that the mind wants to keep us safe but if the mind starts to see sleep as unsafe now there is a stress around sleep and since sleep happens every day that kind of sucks <laughs> to put it <laughs> that's um, in terms it sucks if sleep mm, starts to become stressful and that's so, so interesting that point that. yeah because you know if, if we're going into sleep and feeling like it is an unsafe place 
that we are going to have an unsettling experience, then I mean, that's what's going to end up manifesting in itself, right? Because that's where your focus is when you're entering that unconscious state. Yeah. And it's pretty hard to fall asleep if your sleep itself feels stressful. So yeah. So we want to be really, really, really kind and gentle with ourselves when we're exploring that and looking at how can I honor my experience and honor myself, but also make a shift. So in order to challenge these thoughts, for example, a common, really, really common thing that I hear my clients say is things like, my sleep is bad, or I don't sleep, or last night I didn't sleep. But most of the time when we're saying things like that, we mean, I didn't sleep as much as I wanted to, or sleep saying my sleep is bad means something like my sleep has been stressful for me lately, or hasn't been as long as I would like it to be lately, or I've been waking up at night. So what we're doing when we have these, these judgments, well, that's essentially what we're doing. We're judging our sleep as being bad and kind of name calling it, but it helps to get really specific on what do we mean? So we're saying, okay, sleep is bad. What do you mean by sleep is bad? Or I don't sleep. What do you really mean when, when you say you don't sleep? Because you do sleep. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So we just want to take that exaggeration out of our self-talk because in the case of sleep, exaggeration isn't helping us. And we don't want to challenge the thoughts by replacing them with things that are really unrealistic. So for example, if someone is feeling that their sleep is bad, we don't want to just start saying, oh, whenever you think your sleep is bad, just tell yourself your sleep is good. You could try that, but if it doesn't feel honest for you, then you will be like rolling your eyes at yourself and it won't feel genuine. And so instead of saying something that feels fake, we want to say, okay, last night I got six hours of sleep and that made me feel tired today. So just get really, really realistic and specific with the, feed, the kind of feedback that you're giving yourself about sleep so that we can do our best to to not exaggerate with our our self-talk around sleep Mm. and then when we're factual then then information also feels a little bit more helpful and then you can appreciate the flip side of the coin so instead of just saying my sleep was bad you can say my sleep was six hours and i feel tired but i appreciate that that six hours that i got every minute of sleep that we get is actually good. So we don't want to say to sleep that it's bad. Mm -hmm. So really like one angle is working through the stressor that is there and, and doing the journaling or doing the reflection and awareness work. And then the second part is really reprogramming your brain through the language that you're using and the way that you're speaking about things. Yeah, again, coming back to that awareness as well, right? Like paying more attention to how it is you actually are speaking at that moment. Yeah, and you can do that with whatever is your stressor. So if your stressor is sleep itself, then you can do that with uh, using the examples that I just gave. But maybe your stressor is something else that's happening in your life and you can unpack that as well. Because when something becomes a stressor, typically 
our self-talk about it becomes exaggerated. And, mm. and we all do this. I totally do it. <laughs> but when it comes to calming our stress before bed, we want to make sure that um, we're being as specific and realistic. And I like to say compassionately realistic, like having our talk be, be compassionate. And the other piece of that is not just practicing stress reduction right before bed, but having a good stress reduction practice throughout the day. And stress reduction really just essentially means mindfulness in a sense, noticing when you're breathing shallow or noticing when you're letting your stress go kind of on a hamster wheel, like go down a path that's not helpful in the moment where it's again, exaggerating, exacerbating the the stressor and just being mindful of when we're doing that and not being hard on ourselves when we are just noticing and seeing what we can do in the moment to calm that and bring ourselves back Mm. in the center. And a lot of that is the breath. I remember (laughs) when I had insomnia for those years, I would catch myself so often breathing super shallow, especially if I was walking somewhere, I'd be like hyperventilating. (laughs) And then I'd notice like, why am I breathing like this? I need to breathe deeper. What am I doing? And I remember noticing that I was doing that a lot. And um, actually, one thing that really helped me with that was uh, going to the gym and lifting weights, which isn't something that I thought of, uh, you know, as like breath work. But when you're doing something difficult physically, you have to breathe deeply, like it forces you to. And then afterwards, you feel so amazing. And I think it's not just from the physical exercise. It's because you were breathing this conscious, slow, deep breath that went along with the exercise. And of course, we do this in yoga and yoga teachers are constantly like half the stuff they say is just about our breathing. But for some reason, the like lifting weights helped me more because you can't get away with it. You have to breathe deep. (laughs) I never even thought to look at it from that perspective as like weightlifting or running or any exercise of any sort being a way to, um, you know, help you then focus on your breath and reduce that stress. I guess like for me, if someone said to me, oh, you know, like you need to practice breathing more, you got to do meditation. That's what would come to mind for me. But yet gym is actually what I would turn to. Like at the end of a work day, I would always go to the gym because that would allow me to switch out of that really stressful state that I had been riding in for hours upon hours because there was so much work to be done. And then to be able to go to that gym and regain that breath. So on the topic of breath, then do you suggest that meditation be something to do before bed to help improve your sleep as well? It, there's a lot of research on meditation and sleep. And in fact, it shows that it doesn't actually matter when you do it. And there are studies on doing meditation in the morning and in the afternoon or before dinner. And that still helps uh, with sleep because when we're doing anything that helps with our stress throughout the day, it naturally makes our stress lower in the evening as well. Of course, sometimes the stressor can pop up in the evening, like there is life that happens. But in general, when we're managing our stress throughout the day, this carries into sleep. And in this way, we can we can see a lot 
of a lot of our life in our sleep because it's only the conscious mind that goes to sleep. The rest of our body is awake to the point where in REM, our mind and our body are so awake that we actually have to produce a chemical that paralyzes our body. And if we didn't, we'd be wildly acting out what was happening in our minds. We wouldn't be lying in our beds anymore. So our, our day shows up so much in our sleep. And that's from the exercise that we did, any how we managed our stress, what we ate or what we didn't eat, if we're hydrated, all of these things feed into our sleep big mm. time. So, wow. Yeah. I really love that insights you've just shared then about the importance of focusing on your breath at any point in the day. And uh, meditation doesn't necessarily have to be a nighttime thing in order to benefit your sleep. So I think that's very, very, very uh, helpful information that you shared there. So what Uh-oh. I guess I want to understand is obviously, you know, as entrepreneurs, like our minds run a million miles an hour. We feel like we don't have enough time in the day, like cutting sleep short so we can create more time in the day. Like entrepreneurs really, I would say, sometimes have the worst sleep patterns and routines possible. So what is, you know, uh, I guess the importance of sleep on your daily performance as an entrepreneur so that anyone who maybe hasn't prioritized sleep and rest in their career can start to understand why they should. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So there are some good studies showing that when we sleep at the same time each night, getting regular timing of your sleep actually helps with learning. And as entrepreneurs, like that's the name of the game, doing new things, creating content, constantly learning what's next. And uh, we want to make sure that our memory is sharp and, and that we're, we're keeping up mentally with the job that we have to do. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to just have your sleep at regular times. So if you have two people and they both get the same amount of sleep, but one of them is sleeping at all different times, their performance is not going to be as good in the day as the person who's sleeping relatively at the same time each night. So there's that. And then there, There's listening to your body for the amount of time, the amount of sleep that you really need. As I mentioned earlier, if you're constantly cutting sleep short, it's not good for our emotional, our emotional intelligence, essentially. Like sleep is just repairing everything. It's repairing the physical body. It's reducing inflammation. It's cleansing the brain. It's replacing cells that are damaged it's growing new tissues it's managing our emotions it's learning creating memories resolving traumas it's doing everything for us it's like actually this magical thing (laughs) so and you can use your your dream life actually to help you be creative in in your business so just a quick, quick little tangent on that is keeping a dream journal and you can even be intentional. So before you go to bed, you can think about the thing that you're trying to create and even journal about it and intend to think about it in dreams and then keep a dream journal. So I've had people say, oh, like, I don't dream very much. Is there something wrong with me? And I'm like, no, you definitely are dreaming. Well, probably there's very few instances where people aren't dreaming, 
And it's mostly that we're not in touch with our dreams because if we don't interact with the dream at all, it's not in our memory. And we're only aware of this in the, the few moments after we wake up. And as I mentioned, we have a number of cycles of sleep and we have a little bit of REM at the beginning of the first or at the end of the first sleep cycle. And then each sleep cycle, we get a little bit more REM, which is why we tend to um, remember our dreams more easily later on in sleep. If we wake up closer towards the end of the night or when we wake up in the morning, there's a good chance that we're in a REM cycle. And so you won't remember all of your dreams because you're going to have some that occur mid-sleep. And, but when you wake up in the morning, you can just jot down a little bit of what happened. And then when we keep this journal over time, you start to see themes and you start to see how a dream is often not just a standalone dream. They kind of feed into each other because it comes from your life. Everything in your dreams comes from your life. And so then you start to see a fuller picture and you start to see, oh, this like uncomfortable situation or like weird emotion is popping up in all of these dreams. So you can see the mind continues to try to resolve this thing. And it's something that then we can be more conscious about working on during the day. But even with a, something you're trying to create for work or a problem that you're trying to solve in your business, you can ask your dream, ask your mind to work on this in dreams and then see what you can journal out in the morning and practice that over time. It can be pretty cool. I have heard that. I've heard, you know, when listening to some other podcasts by some, you know, influential entrepreneurs that they actually t record dream journals and they use that as like a basis of their creativity that then translates into their businesses, which is, I think, a really cool idea. I personally try to track my dreams when I can. Sometimes they don't make a lot of sense, so I don't know how to put them into words. But um, <laughs> I suppose the more you do it, the clearer it'll start to get. And the more intentional, like you said, like setting that intention before you go to sleep will help with making a difference. So I think that's really awesome to hear. Now, I do want to dive in and have a bit of a chat about, you know, tips that we can start or things we can start doing to really help us overcome some of the challenges we might be facing with sleep. And as we've spoken about in today's episode, there's so many different challenges. It could be having an overactive mind and you just have, you know, dreams that cause you to have poor sleep, broken sleep, PTSD, or different like unresolved traumas that can impact and affect the way that you're sleeping. And then of course, your chronotype, right? Like as you mentioned at the start, society is really built around one specific chronotype. And then there's still two other groups that need to try to work around this and still get a good sleep in. So what tips do you have, I guess, first and foremost, how, how to like break out of some of these challenges and negative sleep cycles? Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a lot there. <laughs> well, it depends on if somebody is working on their sleep just to improve their sleep and improve overall health, or if they're working on sleep because they're having problems with insomnia. So there's different approaches there, but either way, we want to look at what's off in our health because we can continue to look at sleep as a reflection of what's happening in our daytime. So if there is something really off with nutrition, with exercise, with um, our stress management, 
for instance, when I, when I was doing that job that I told you that I quit as part of helping myself overcome my insomnia, that job was in a basement with poor air circulation. I didn't feel well when I was there. I got no sunlight because especially like here in the winter, the, the sunlight's only in the middle of the day when you're at work. And so my vitamin D was lacking for sure. was very low. And even nutritional imbalances can have an impact on our sleep. Vitamin D is one that has quite a large impact as well as B12, omega-3 fatty acids. So if the diet's um, heavier in processed foods, especially heavier in processed oils. So there really is looking for balance. The whole body is looking for balance. And for some people to sleep, going off balance is one of the ways that your body is being like, whoa, I'm getting really off balance now. We need to reel things in. I wanted to mention that for, for entrepreneurs, it can be really important to do an, an intentional unwind of your workday. So having some people need maybe even a whole hour to do this, but probably at least 30 minutes to organize your thoughts from that day and, and organize your next day. And that can really, really help with productivity and with turning the mind off. Because if you don't organize your next day, and then you're going to bed with your head all messy, full of all the things you have to do next day, writing them down can just give that peace to the mind. In even with any stressor, actually writing it down can give that peace to the mind. Even if you didn't get a chance to do anything about it other than just write it down, the mind has such a connection with handwriting that it feels you've at least taken the first step to doing something about it. And so that can be enough, like relaxing the grip to, to help. It's fun. like saying fall into sleep is such a funny thing to say. It's more like surrender into sleep because we have to be relaxed enough to allow sleep in, basically. It's there. It's waiting. It's waiting for us to <laughs> for us to let it in. And, and when we're not able to let it in, this is because something is off. And it can be so frustrating and challenging to figure out what that is when someone's dealing with insomnia. And I know what a huge frustration and stressor that was for me over many years. So I say that with the absolute most compassion. I really like that point you shared about the intentional unwind, because that's something that so many of us probably don't do. I mean, I personally don't do it. And that sort of explains why my brain doesn't clock off from work because I'm not being intentional <laughs> about clocking it off from work. So really at the end of the day, creating 30 minutes to an hour to just sit down like I'm assuming create a nice scene, right? Like light some incense or a candle, something that's going to help you start to shift out of that work mode and write about, you know, unpacking your day, writing out maybe whatever it is that you need to be delegating to someone else the next day or whatever your tasks are to come for the next day. Because one thing that I used to experience was I'd lay in bed and then all of a sudden ping, like, oh, you got to do this, Emily. Oh, ping, another thing you got to do. Like all these ideas, all these tasks would start popping up in my head and then that would just cause an extra level of stress before sleep. So totally makes sense to be intentional about planning these things before you go to bed. I'd say well before bed, right? And having that intentional mm -hmm. unwind from your day. So I really like that idea there. And of course, like, awesome. you know, 
routines is something that's so important. We know if you don't have a good nighttime routine, you won't be able to wake up in the morning. If you don't have a good morning routine, you're going to feel lagged across your entire day. So how would you suggest about going to create a good uh, sleep routine for yourself? Having like having an intentional unwind is, is good for sleep just because it helps us to kind of let go of the overstimulation that we're exposed to throughout the day. Like take some time off electronics, take some time to do something slow, even just preparing for the next day. Like if you can in peace, do the dishes and make your lunch for tomorrow, like, and or, you know, make your chia seed pudding or whatever you're going to have for your breakfast. And then, you know, it's like a little gift for your tomorrow self, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to do with your evening. If it can be off of technology, even just for a couple minutes, at least off of work. And like you said, the environment in the evening, we can create like a shift in the environment. So at night, if people listening don't see us, then <laughs> and that's fine. But at night, I have a different, like I turn off my lights on the ceiling and I turn on the lamp and it's just warmer, um, orange, more orange in color, dimmer. And, and it's coming at me from uh, like, it's coming from a lower place in the room rather from, than from overhead. Shifts like this help us mimic nature a little bit more. Like think of when you're camping or when you go to a cottage in the evening, the sun is lower on the horizon and it's got more of that orange glow and it's dimmer. And you can do these things to create that same shift in your home. And it's actually calming for your nervous system because we're meant, we're animals and we forget this. And we're meant to be in nature connected to uh, the circadian rhythm of wherever we live. And that's the sun. Like there's just no way around it. Every single animal, plant, bacteria, bug, fungus, human, we're all connected to this cycle of the sun. And the more that we can connect to this, even if it's in an artificial way in our indoor environment, we can still help the body go through its natural process with with our indoor environment so kind of modern hacks for a modern lifestyle it can help to have a routine routine like say okay i'm gonna journal for 20 minutes and do stretching and have a warm shower before bed but for some people if they have a lot of stress around sleep having a really strict routine can sometimes add more stress to that because then you think, oh, if my routine isn't perfect, now I can't sleep. And we don't want to create that association. But for the average person uh, who just wants to improve their sleep to to just feel better the next day (laughs) and to fall asleep uh, more easily, I think about it like if you're driving your car down the highway and then you get off the highway to go to your house but you don't slow the car down and you only try to slam on the brakes right before you get to your house (laughs) probably gonna crash into your house and that's kind of what we do with our busy days and sleep we're like go 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 do this email bring my kids here do this thing go get groceries make a gift for somebody write a card for someone at work oh i have to repot the plants and clean this thing and you do like a million things 
And then, and then you crash in bed and I guarantee that we all do things that we don't really need to do. Like there's <laughs> at least 10 minutes of slowdown that we can create no matter how crazy your life is. And just giving that space to unwind off of things that are stimulating for you. And I'd say that even includes sometimes stimulating conversations. Like if somebody brings up a topic and that's something that like kind of gets your nervous system going, it's totally okay to say, I would love to talk about this tomorrow or to it's, um, it's just kind of supporting that boundary around the mm-hmm. unwind something and not thinking of, of it as for sleep specifically, but just for unwind, like now is my unwinding mm-hmm. time of the day. Something that really comes up for me when you say that is turning off notifications, right? Like if you've got your phone next to you and you've got a text message popping up from a client or from your boss or whatever it may be, all of a sudden you've wound yourself up again, like even if you haven't opened it just by seeing that notification pop up. So I think one thing that I really need action is turning off my notifications after a set time in the evening. So then nothing does pop up until I turn it back on the next morning. (laughs) Respecting boundaries. (laughs) Yeah. And putting uh, like either you can do a do not disturb or you can even just full on airplane mode. Well, see, I can't mm -hmm. see anything. (laughs) I do do not disturb right now. But then even when I go check the time, something will be there. So airplane mode is definitely the direction that I'm going to be heading in. But um, the final thing that I sort of wanted to touch on when it comes to routine is like you were talking about at the start is these different chronotypes. And depending on what your chronotype is, like you thrive with different periods to be sleeping through. Now, obviously there's one struggle of society being like nine to five, this is the way it is. But then there's another struggle as well, which I think is in the brains of a lot of entrepreneurs. And it's about, you know, successful people wake up before 5am and getting into this mindset that in order to be successful, you have to be waking up at a set time you know, before the sun comes up, before the rest of the world's awake. Like you hear so many people romanticizing this, right? Like all these influential people in the world wake up at X time and therefore you should do it too. So first and foremost, do you believe that it's a proven fact that if you're waking up before 5am, you are guaranteed to be more successful than other people? And how do you suggest we work with our chronotypes better? Yeah, I can guarantee that not everyone is meant to get up at five, for sure not. (laughs) I think there might be, it's more than a coincidence that certain people who are very successful in business might be, it might go along with the, the schema of that person that they are someone who sleeps less and actually feels good with that amount of sleep. And then maybe they are an early bird. And, uh, and so they get, you know, six, six and a half hours of sleep and they get up at five and they feel great. And they have the energy to, to work a lot starting early, which maybe gives them an advantage in our nine to five day, if they're kind of getting things going before other people. But you don't need to wait. Like if you do wake up at five and that's not natural for you, then you're not going to be this high performing person. So (laughs) especially if you're cutting your sleep short, like if you're going to bed at 11 or midnight and getting up at five, and for most of us, that won't be enough sleep. 
our body will want more sleep than that. So if you find that you are sleeping in on weekends, like if you, you know that if you didn't have your alarm, you would sleep a lot longer, then you're probably <laughs> cutting yourself short throughout the week. And it's not going to help us feel like we're, you know, on the game, on our game, on the ball. So it doesn't matter what time you're, I mean, it maybe it does if you, you know, have a nine to five job and you have to be there at a certain time. But if you're an entrepreneur and you have a job that is flexible, then that's, that's your, like one of your superpowers is that you can make this routine for your day and for your work that works perfectly for you. And even as women, we are, you know, we have to ride the wave of our hormones more than men do. And we can incorporate that into our business as well. So we, and, and that feeds into sleep. So <laughs> a couple of things there, but we can give ourselves in terms of business and our cycle, we can give ourselves less work to do during our moon cycle or less interactive work during that time. And then we can give ourselves like new projects starting the week after our period when we have more energy, but we'll really have more energy that following week if we give ourselves the rest that we need on during our moon. So, and then we can see how that shows up in sleep. So that's, that's another piece. If you're journaling your sleep over a period of time, making connections to your cycle. Sometimes we can see that we sleep less. If we're having PMS, especially, we can be sleeping less before a period at the beginning of our period. And then that's just another piece showing us that there's a little bit of a hormonal imbalance that's not serving us during that time. And yeah, using diet and lifestyle and herbs and and getting good sleep actually helps us to balance our hormones so <laughs> sleep wasn't hard enough already and then they have to throw periods in the mix <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so it's really everything in balance helps with sleep and getting good sleep helps everything else be in balance so i feel like sleep is sort of the the pillar so we have exercise we have nutrition and we have sleep and they're all equally important and they all need each other like a, a three-legged table <laughs> you can't take off one leg there won't be a table anymore if you take off one of those legs I really love that and because everything we've sort of talked about today really does highlight that that it's not just you know a quick fixed situation, like drink your sups and you're fine. There's a lot of layers that go into really getting control of your sleep cycle. And obviously this is something that won't just be fixed overnight. It's it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of self-work as well to become aware of like the patterns that you have, the different stresses that you have, working through them and um, really creating different rituals that are going to help serve you with relieving those stresses before you do start entering that sleep state. So honestly, this episode has just been, I know it's gone a little bit longer than our usual episodes <laughs> would go with guests, but 
it's been so like info packed that I just didn't want to cut it short. So Lauren, I really appreciate your time and sharing all of this insights with us. So why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you if they want to look more into working with you potentially on improving their sleep or even just following along your journey? Yeah, of course. Thank you. I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me there. It's at coaching for insomniacs. And I also have a LinkedIn page, which is under my own name, Lauren Defell, D-U-F-F-E-L-L. And I have a website, coachingforinsomniacs.com. That needs to be updated a little bit (laughs) because the last few months I have taken on a project with a new client. So there's two ways that uh, that I work with clients for their sleep. One of them is one-on-one coaching package where we spend a lot of time together unpacking. That's for somebody. Uh, my, my the person I help most with that program is women who are stressed out and it's affecting their sleep. That's been um, most of my clients have fit into that. And it's been really, really helpful for them. That's really the package that I created for the version of myself in the past. (laughs) And then the other way is through an app called BioLoop. It's actually being rebranded to be called Crescent Health, that it's currently still in beta. And that's for someone who uses a wearable. Right now, we are just working with people who have iPhones and people who are using Aura Ring. So Aura Ring is is a ring that's kind of like a Fitbit for your sleep, but it gives a lot more detailed information about sleep than than uh, Fitbits do. So there's two ways that you can work with me there. Well, what I'll do is I'll pop all your links into the show notes of this episode so everyone can find you with absolute ease. But Lauren, thank you so much again for coming on. I've loved this conversation. I've learned so much and I'm definitely going to be hitting the drawing board and coming up with a brand new sleep routine for myself and putting into play some of these things you've taught us today. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Emily Jane. Love it. Thanks for having me on as a guest. So that's a wrap on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast or know somebody who needs to hear this, then send this to them and share it to your stories, tagging me at empower.with.m.podcast. If you want more from the podcast, make sure you jump on over to the Empower community on Facebook. I have popped the link in the show notes of this episode, so I can't wait for you to join me there. But that's all for me for now, fam. It's time I love you and leave you. So until we hang again, remember you can break through any limiting mindset, any limiting belief, and you can rise above any challenge and step up and truly be empowered.